Yeah, wheel nerds. Wheel nerds. Wheel nerds. Wheel nerds. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Wheel Nerds. This is episode 127, and I'm your host, Charles. Joining me tonight in place of our regular other host, Guy, is this dude. Hello. This is Fake Todd. Yes. Hello, Fake Todd. How are you? This this is a very serious and somber show. I'm going to have to ask you to sign in appropriately. Yes, my name is John. I live in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I'm so sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's a great place to live. All right, I, can't, I just can't keep that up. That that's horrible. And I, whoever said we write, we do too many jokes and laugh too much. I'm sorry. That's just that's just horrible. <laughs> I, I can't do this. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show and picking up the the slack for Todd. He's off somewhere on a Mexican beach burying dead prostitutes. Doing slacker stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, sure. well, you know, he's stuffing bodies full of cocaine and burying them in the sand. That's what you do in Mexico, you know. Absolutely. That's what we do in Texas. You know, where the bodies come over with drugs and we put guns and back in the bodies and send the bodies back with guns in them. So you're the problem. I'm not the problem. <laughs> so tell me about the weather in Texas right now. You you keep saying things about ice. Yeah. So we've had a little ice storm move through the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And, uh, you know, basically everything has come to a grinding halt, so to speak. Uh, either that or you slide off into the ditch, one of the two. What do you do for a living? Uh, actually, I'm a flight nurse and a paramedic. Oh, okay. Like, for who? Uh, I will. I'd rather not say the company name, but our colors okay. are red, white, blue. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's pretty cool. So, you, a nurse and a paramedic. Wow. So, you, you go out on, like, the life flight kind of things? Yeah, we do a rotor wing. Uh, okay. Ambulance okay. service here. Um, we're the largest privately owned uh, rotor wing ambulance service in the country. That's cool. So, are you busy? Well, you know, it just depends on the certain time of the year. You know, this time of the year in the wintertime, we usually have more medical calls when, when the weather is nicer and, uh, you know, the motorcyclists are out, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot more, uh, you know, trauma, that kind of stuff. But you were talking about, like, everything's covered in ice. So, are, I mean, do you guys still fly? Yeah, absolutely. As long as it's not, you know, any freezing precipitation that could bring the aircraft down. Um, you know, it can be everything can be covered in ice. If it's sunny and clear, we're flying. Oh, okay. Wow. That's pretty cool. So w- what do you ride? Uh, currently, I have a 2007 Moto Guzzi Breva 1100. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, and I've got a 73 uh, Honda CB750 sitting over there in the corner of the garage mocking me, waiting for me to rebuild it. <laughs> does, it does it start? Uh, it does start. It does. It pisses oil all over the floor, so <laughs> it's uh, got some rubber gaskets underneath the uh cam towers that need to be replaced but unfortunately on that bike it's got about a quarter inch clearance all the way around and you have to take the engine out to uh take the uh, valve covers off if you can mm-hmm. believe wow so is this something you picked up off a of craigslist or what actually i was riding uh riding my bicycle through the neighborhood one day and the guy was having a garage sale and uh he had a had this thing uh sitting out in the driveway with a price of four hundred dollars on it and uh he told me uh, he'd let me have it for two hundred dollars if I'd get rid of it. <laughs> and and that didn't worry you. 
Because <laughs> I figured, you know, if worse comes to worse, I could get, you know, 10 times my money back selling parts on eBay if I have to. Uh -huh. How long have you had the bike? Oh, gosh, four years. <laughs> so it's that restoration is going really well, I take it. Well, I did get the gasket kit. <laughs> I've gotten that far. I bought this thing. Yes, that's right. And a book. <laughs> and a book. A couple of books, actually. Everything's, yeah. That's, that's, been, I, you know, I've got several projects like that in my garage. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why my wife left me. <laughs> Too many projects? <laughs> Too many starts. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> so the reason I picked you to be the co-host for tonight was, um, a, you had those pictures of me that I don't want to be circulating around. And two, you set, you set up a lot of interesting topics. Well, I'm still waiting on that check, by the way, for those pictures. Yeah, that that's... Yeah, they're coming. It's good. Don't worry. It's Everything's fine. You're going to, you know, meet me in a lot somewhere. Come alone. Sure. Don't tell anyone sure. you're, you're going. Right. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get that settled. You bet. So... Moving on to these these topics, um, you talked a. Where do you want to start? I mean, you you have a whole list here. Where do you want to start? Where would you well, like to start, Fake Todd? Fake Todd would like to start. Well, let's start at the stop at the top of the list. So, uh, you know, to me, I've been kind of watching this. You know, nobody's really seems like they're discussing this on, in either print media or any of the podcasts, but this there's this interesting little war heating up between Indian and Harley, and I think it's probably a little bit more serious than what all of us may realize. Okay. Um, because if you look at, nobody knew that Polaris was a heavy investor in Bramo until, what, a couple of weeks ago? Mm hmm and where did this live wire project come from in Harley? You know, I'm sure Harley has the insight into Polaris and knows that they are looking into electron or electric motorcycles. So why did Harley come out with an electric motorcycle? Is it because they knew they had Polaris had that in their back pocket? You know, so hindsight, uh, looking at it retrospectively, it's getting pretty interesting. And so then Harley turns around and pays for the naming rights for Sturgis for the next 90 years. Oh. So that that kind of tells me that Harley is pretty nervous. You think Harley's like staking out some territory? I think they are. Uh -huh. I think they are. So I'm, what are we going to see from now on? I mean, is Harley going to come out with a three-wheeled vehicle like the Slingshot? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, that are, is who's copying who? Is Harley copying the electric motorcycle that Polaris is heavily invested in mm -hmm. or vice versa. So who knows? But uh, I think the the whole Indian thing has really got Harley shaken in their boots. I don't think the victory line really bothered them much. Right, yeah. Um, but the Indian thing has really seemed to really bother Harley Davidson. Um, I went to the local uh, Indian dealership uh, a couple months back to get my Moto Guzzi inspected, so that gave me a good reason to go to an Indian dealership, right? Right. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't be caught dead in one. No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> you know, I've done the cruiser thing before. I've had a cruiser before, and, and they're okay. Um, and I really wanted to take a look at the uh, Indian Scout, but, of course, they didn't have one at the time. And I was talking to um, 
the one of the sales guys there, and the, actually the Indian dealership here in Fort Worth is actually owned by the Harley dealership. It's in a separate building right next to the Harley dealership. Okay, I was going to ask if it was a standalone dealer or not. Well, it's it's a standalone dealer in the fact that it's a different, completely separate building, um, but it's right next door, but it's the same owner that owns Fort Worth Harley-Davidson. Mm-hmm. So, but I was talking to him. It's like, you know, I would be interested in buying an American-made motorcycle, but I'm not really into the Harley thing because of the crowds. And he's like, you know, almost every single person that comes in here looking at Indian says the same exact thing. Because of the crowds. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, the whole, um, you know, the pirate costume thing and the DOT-approved bandana over their head. Sure. So you you mean that cruiser crowd? The generic cruiser crowd, you're just, they're, you're thinking, I don't want to be a part of that. Well, I think there's a lot of people that want to own an American-made motorcycle yeah. um, versus a metric versus a metric cruiser. They just don't want to have to wear the pirate costume, mm-hmm. or they don't want to have to, you know, go to a biker rally and you know see some, you know, overly tan, you know, um, milf that used to look good, you know, 40 years ago. Um, in that whole attitude of if it's not a Harley, then it's not anything. Right. Um, you know, if, if I'm not riding a Harley, I'd, you know, I'd rather push my Harley than ride a Honda, you know, that kind of. <laughs> right. Right. Now, did he say he was seeing a lot of, a lot of traffic toward the Indian then? Yeah. He said he's had several, uh, several, uh, customers come in there. And of course, you know, the only thing they have available really to offer right now is all, all their upper end stuff. Cause the scouts really not available for sale right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he said, "Yeah, sales have been you know better than better than expected, considering you know the upper end price point." But he, you know, he was you know pretty much yeah. People that are coming in and buying the Indians, at least from this particular dealership, are guys that pretty much they want to own an American-made bike, um, but they don't necessarily want to run with the crowd. Okay, interesting. So I'm not really sure why Victory hasn't put that fear into Harley, but it sure seems that Indian has. Well, you know, Indians, their their bikes have this sort of retro vibe that seems a lot closer to me than to Harley than Victory. Victory's it has sort of a modern feel to it to me. I mean, when I think yeah. of Victory, I mean, they have a lot of bikes, don't get me wrong, but when I think of Victory, I think of that the Starship Enterprise looking one. Their oh, uh, their tour. It looks like Bozo the clown from the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I you mean, know, to it, me to me, Victory is an American version of a metric bike. Okay, yeah, I would buy that. Yeah, it's a little bit more of Americana. You know, it's got a real uh, American, it's got the history behind it where the Victory name doesn't really have the history. And, you know, when Victory first came out, they didn't have the, the best reputation. Their bikes have improved dramatically. Yeah. Um, but Indians had a lot of false restarts over the years. Yes, they have. They sure have. Indians have been passed around more than uh, some of those girls Todd's burying in Mexico. Could be. Could be. I mean, I I, I dig the look of the Scout and the Dark Horse. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking over their lineup right now. Um, and both of the, I mean, all of their bikes, their upper end bikes, not as much, but those those two bikes in particular, they they have. That kind of, I don't want to say they have a Harley vibe, but they're, they're striking that same, that same chord, that exactly. Same feel. I, did you, yeah. have you gone to the IMS bike show yet, or has that any been anywhere near you, or? I, I haven't been to this year's IMS, no. The last thing uh-huh. I went to was the AIM Expo. Um, 
And I I got to see some Indians at um, either Americade or the IMS, the, the previous year of IMS, when they only had like the one Indian. Okay. They were bringing it so out. So have you seen one of the scouts in person? Um, not that I can remember. No, I think it was always the, the upper end stuff I was seeing, like the chieftain. Yeah, the scout is actually a lot smaller than it looks in pictures. Okay. And uh, it's a lot more compact uh, versus their chieftains and uh, all those things. Um, it's I I don't I don't want to say it's like a three quarter scale because it's it's not that much smaller, but um, it's definitely much more compact, lower to the ground, much more narrow. The only thing that really kind of turned me off about it is it had the forward foot controls mm-hmm. versus you know having a mid control and it's the, you know riding in that whole gynecological position with your feet out front, which is really. Not for me. You know, looking at that bike, that seat's so low, I just can't imagine you sitting with your feet anywhere but forward. Right, exactly. It doesn't leave much leg room, so then your legs or your ankles are going to be up behind you. So I think it's an an interesting bike, but I want to see what the next bike they come out with is. So have you seen the Scout? Have you sat on one? Yeah, I have. I sat on it at the IMS. Um, And it's a good-looking bike. I mean, the fit and finish was, was good. Um, you know, I mean, so the big, I, I think the fair, fair share of our motorcycle market is cruisers. So, I mean, I think it's only fair that we spend a little bit of time talking about them, even if it's not really my cup of tea, um, you know, anything to make the industry better and grow is, is good to me, but yeah. And motorcycle sales have been recovering pretty steadily since, uh, the big crash. Yeah. And it's interesting where the growth is too. The growth is up on the high end and the low end. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, BM, yeah, BMW and Harley, they're both reporting just seeing, you know, record year after year. Oh, and Ducati and KTM. and Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it looks like Indians, especially with uh, from the vintage on up, those are all upper end bikes, man. You're looking at, you know, 18, 19 grand. There's scouts oh, yeah. sitting around 11 grand. Did you notice whether or not at the dealer, if they were... St- staying pretty close to msrp or were they hiking it up i mean did they say they had like a waiting list for these bikes or no 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 they they weren't they weren't uh adding anything to msrp they were just sticking at msrp um i think they're pretty fair about that um they said that the scout probably wouldn't even be out available for consumers till probably march or maybe even later Mm -hmm. Um, so they weren't taking advantage of anybody um, by any means. So, did you notice? Is it, now, this was a, a two brands under one house. Did you get a feel that the dealer was had a preference for one over the other, or did, did he mention he had any trouble from Harley because he was doing this? No, no, not at all. Um, in fact, the guy that was running the Indian store was uh, was very nice. Um, you know, but you know, he didn't deny the fact that, you know, it was the same owner. He, you know, freely volunteered that information, but they've really taken it. It's got a, really a completely different experience because I actually had to go to the Harley dealership to get my inspection because the Indian dealership was so new, they didn't have all their state inspection stuff at that building yet. Oh, so, okay. So they had like separate so, shops. Yeah. It's okay. like I said, it's completely different buildings. They're just right next door to each other. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, they're not connected physically at all. That's interesting. So it's, the Indian dealership was set up a much more upscale experience. When you walked in, everything was well lit, you know, no dark corners, no, 
Um, you know, they had a lot of Indian merchandise out, like the Indian sweater from uh, that movie, uh, World's Fastest Indian. Mm-hmm. You know, that color scheme, everything was really bright, really luxurious, very upscale. You know, almost like you were walking into a Bentley dealership or something like that. You know, versus when I went over to the Harley dealership, it was kind of like a Walmart and an auto dealership had an illegitimate love child. Really? I mean, when you walked into the Harley dealership, there was a few bikes and lots and lots and lots of merchandise. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, because Harley I mean, makes you, most of their money off of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And but I got to hand it to them, man. I mean, the experience in the Harley dealership was wonderful. I could barely walk ten feet without somebody asking me if they could help me. Everybody was very nice and courteous. They have everything packaged well in their service department. You know, if you want to upgrade to such and such exhaust. It's already got a bundled price right there on the menu for you. Mm-hmm. And they even had a bike there sitting there so you could hear what the um, sound of the pipes sound like. Um, you know, they had windshields that were clearly marked, you know, uh, demo only. So you, if you wanted to buy a new windshield, well, how do you know if you like it or not? Mm-hmm. Well, here, take this one, go out and put it on your bike and ride around, come back, and tell me if you like it. If you don't like that one, I've got one that's bigger, I've got one that's smaller, I've got one that's narrower, I've got one that's fatter i've got one you know the same with the seats you know it had demo stamped all over it and so you could go try out different seats i mean what kind of lesson could the european manufacturers and the japanese manufacturers take from that i mean because i'm you go into a any other dealership and it's like well we can order anything out of the catalog that you want but of course you know it's yours (laughs) when it gets your quarter into the giant vending machine and push it round up (laughs) yeah yeah pretty much and parts unlimited or or tucker rocky or yeah western power sports will spit it out to you and you know if that windshield doesn't work out for you well uh, maybe you could sell it on craigslist and we could try another one but step back a minute there you say it's got like a walmart feel to it why do you say that you know, just the rows and rows and rows and rows of the merchandise. Okay. Um, you know, you feel like you, you could walk into there and you get anything motorcycle related that you could ever want, whether it's anything from a bikini to bushing. So was the, the Indian dealer um, much smaller, more focused? Yeah, it's definitely um, much smaller. Uh, the merchandising obviously um, has not had a chance to get up to speed. I'm sure Indian will probably follow them in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the one th- I noticed on their website, they're selling their own Indian branded oil, which I'm sure is far superior to any other oil. Oh, yeah, and the absolutely. Really sure. funny thing about the website that I found was um, they sell an oil change kit. Uh-huh. And, and it has this really, really interesting uh, disclaimer attached to it. So you look, you look at their Indian oil change kit. It comes with the filter. It comes with the oil. And it's all like, warning, work has to be performed safely and correctly by trained Indian technicians in a properly equipped shop. You must read the manual. There are lots of tools not available to the public. If you touch your bike, you will die. I'm paraphrasing. Well, that's it's a, that's a rather it's a stern very warning. long warning about you know you should probably do this you know here and that makes me wonder you, you know you talk again about the upscaleness I'm kind of thinking of like Mercedes dealers where you know you can't even work on the engine of the car so you think right, is right, that right, right. kind of the feel you you get from Indian is like we're we're very upscale. We're the BMW of the cruiser world. Um, 
Yeah, probably so. I mean, let's face it, a guy that can spend $35,000 on a bike, is he really going to bother scraping his knuckles and crawling down on the ground to change his own That's role? Probably not. Because let's talk about our other $35,000 bike, the Modus. <laughs> yeah, right? absolutely. Let's talk about how easy it is to work on that bike. That is an interesting machine, and I've been following him from the beginning, and I was really, really hoping it would come in um, about ten grand under what it actually came in at. And um, I, I can see where the quality oh, is it's for a sure. But quality machine, you sit on that thing, and it just everything's got that you know no corners kind of cut feel to it. You know, Gibby bags, uh, was it sergeant seat? I think just. Everything had a name. Nothing was just like, this came from China. So, and that's almost kind of like why, you know, that's kind of almost kind of like Guzzi buyers, you know, because the people who really only buy Guzzi's are not your first time motorcycle buyers typically. Typically, they're, they're people that know what they want and they know what they're paying for. They know why a Guzzi costs a little bit more, you know, because of the braided stainless steel brake lines, the Brembo brakes, um, you know, the, the electronic dash information gives you, you know, a whole lot more information than your typical motorcycle. Um, you know, built-in controllers sure. for heated grips is all yeah. built into the dash. So shaft drive. Um, you can say you have a Moto Guzzi. Yeah, you can you say like a real Italian, Moto Guzzi. <laughs> so was there an espresso machine at the Indian dealer? You know, I believe there was. Um, there was a nice... Was it like a, one of those cool little Kurgs or was it like... You know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't pay any attention to it, you know, but, you know, they had the cute little uh, honey helpers there at the at the little desk when you walk through the door there. Oh, uh, yeah. Kind of like a car dealership. When you walk in, there's the cute little, you know, uh, secretary there to direct you to the right service department or sales. The BMW dealer here has her. Ah, there you go. Ours doesn't have that. <laughs> so... How do you feel about Harley? Had you been to that Harley dealer before? I have not been to that Harley dealer before. Um, and I'll be perfectly honest with you. I really have never set foot in, um, in a Harley dealer since they really started making them these mega stores. I've been in, I've been into one years ago back when it was basically a motorcycle dealership and a, and an old building. And, you know, now they've turned it, tried to turn it into more of a Harley experience. And they have these gigantic Walmart sized dealerships now. The Harley Davidson Resort. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm telling you, man, that's the only thing that they're missing. Uh, I, I I have been in one in Ohio, and it was it called itself a resort. It was it was a multi uh, level, multi floor wow. dealership. Wow. It, it it was the resort, um, and the one here is like built in the old steel mills. It looks very resorty, and right. it's got a burger burger joint inside. So yeah. So you, you you didn't you weren't into the in the Harleys. Um it doesn't appeal to you. Does as do you get a different feel from Indian? I mean the appeal for Indian for me, um you know, ironically was is for much of the same reason people buy Harley Davidson is because they want to be different and be independent. The only problem with Harley is you know, everybody goes down and buys a Road King just like their buddies, except maybe it's got different chrome farkles on it. And I think Indian, at least mm. for now, provides you an avenue to be different from your buddy, but yet still have a classic American-made cruiser. Um, mm -hmm. So certainly the $35,000 cruiser doesn't necessarily appeal to me, but something more along uh, a Scout-ish type thing, maybe. So you're, you're thinking Indian's 
at least new enough, small enough right now that it's it's a chance to be different from Harley. Yeah, because I mean, with with Harley right now, what do you do? You're going to go out and celebrate your independence by buying a bike just like your buddies. I mean, it, and then the, I'm sure they have the checklist for all the leathers and stuff you have to buy. <laughs> right, right, and the chrome doodads right. and. Okay, so you don't want to drop thirty five grand on a on a cruiser. You're not a cruiser guy. You're you're riding a Moto Guzzi. No, absolutely. You know. Let's let's talk about the other American-made bikes, the ones that are more appealing, at least to me, and probably you. EBR and Modus. Yeah, so I mean, I nobody was more surprised than I when you know Harley Davidson um, basically just crushed Buell and um, <laughs> did Eric the way they did him. But um, you know, I, th- I certainly think Eric deserved a little bit more respect than than what he got from Harley Davidson for sure. It was uh, it was pretty. It was like a hatchet job when they when they just went after Buell like that. Yeah. And it seemed to come out of nowhere too. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Um, it felt like they—he was the—they were really starting to hit their stride with bikes. Um, they had that uh, new motor they were just starting to roll out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was a, yeah, yeah, it was a weird time. Yeah, and you know they let him uh, have enough freedom where they actually came out with the Ulysses, so they at least tried to start getting a little bit more mainstream and not just a sport bike. Yep. Um, and then all, all of a sudden pulled the plug. Yeah, it was like, and not even like try to sell it off to, you know, say Polaris or somebody. Just straight up, you know, axe yep, it. ditched it. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a dick move. Yeah, that, that was totally unnecessary. But, you know, after after the end of his non-compete, he's back now. He's got EBR. Um, kind of cranking up around the same time as Modus. Right. Um, the real huge giant 800 pound gorilla difference between these two companies is Eric found a backer. Yeah, absolutely. And that's huge. Yeah, it is huge. They're, they're just pouring buckets of money into EBR. And, and I don't know how you felt about it. When I originally heard about, heard about it, I was like, what? India? What? What? what are you doing it was, here? I had no idea who Hero was. Um, so it was very strange. Um, I was a little worried about how much he was partnering up with them, because mm-hmm. you know I didn't, I didn't. No one wants to see that happen again. <laughs> no one wants to see another Harley move. Or nobody wants to see uh, Buell turn into another Indian, where they appear yeah. and disappear, appear and disappear. Exactly. I mean, it kind of made uh, some sense to me because I couldn't. I just. It was easier for me to picture Eric making a deal with an Indian motorcycle company than, say, one of the the big four in Japan. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, that just shows a little bit of narrow-mindedness, I think, on our American parts and thinking that, you know, the center of the motorcycle universe revolves around the United States when it really doesn't. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) What kind of Texan are you? You suck. Man, land opportunity, free for all well, it's true, but you know you're absolutely right. Hero's the largest motorcycle maker in the world. Yeah, and we don't even have any of their bikes here. No, we don't yet. And their bikes are actually looking pretty cool. I got to check those out at AIM, um, particularly the models, uh, the model that they designed with uh, EBR. It's a sharp looking machine, but even the ones that are pre EBR, they're not shabby. No, they're not at all. And if you think about it, I mean. 
they've got to make a bike that is somewhat durable. I mean, if you've ever seen any of the videos of the Indian roads and the way the people ride the bikes and take care of the bikes, I mean, they've got to be somewhat durable. It's certainly more <laughs> durable than the Chin Ching Chinese special. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they're they're probably not just selling the oil change kit to to uh, people in India with with the. And it's probably not going to void your warranty. <laughs> but you know, so Eric's got this really huge advantage. He's doing well in the, the races with his bikes. Modus is just you know straight ground up kind of thing. I, I'm sure they would love to have somebody like Hero. To partner up with but it's it's really amazing to me how much they've been able to do just on their own yeah absolutely in fact they're um it's interesting because their engine blocks are actually made right here in longview texas which is just east of the dallas fort worth area so i mean they're trying to source as much as they can uh you know within the states but i really think they're gonna have to do a eric Buell like move to find somebody with deep enough pockets um, because I don't, I just don't think they're going to find it here. Yeah, I just, I don't think they're going to find the market for their bike with them priced the way they are. Yeah, I mean, they're they're yeah. looking at like selling three hundred a year. They'll probably they'll probably sell three hundred a year just out of curiosity, maybe the first year. But what do we do for years two, three, and four? Right, exactly. I mean, I, I just I can't think of how many people are going to want to pay thirty five grand, thirty to thirty five grand for. I am admittedly an awesome sport tour bike. I mean, I, I sat on that bike at Bonneville. They, they wouldn't let me ride it. <laughs> it, it was a nice bike. It was a really nice, solid ride, but man, I just, I couldn't get over that price tag. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if they ever offer any special financing deals or anything like that to maybe move some bikes in years two or three. But I think they're going to have to make a machine a little bit cheaper to get people through the door because i think at 35 grand and there's nothing else to look at how are you going to get people in the door so how do we get how do we how do they get uh first second or third motorcycle owners to buy into the fact that they need a $35,000 motorcycle which we're really not that far off of if you look at the upper end KTM Adventure bikes, um, certainly the BMW touring bikes. GS Adventure. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not that far off. We're not that far off, but that that's a pretty big step, at least, you know, at least for me. And I don't know. I have a hard time. I mean, okay, so I'm looking at buying an, an EBR bike. I am seriously right. considering buying this bike. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that several several occasions. EBR um, is still doing. They are offering special financing. So it's it, it's all I got to do is get out because I don't have a dealer here. I got to get to some place where there's a dealer so I can sign paperwork on, you know, an attractively priced SX of some kind. Well, hell, they'll 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 uh, FedEx you the paperwork, I'm sure. He was saying I had to uh, the one dealer I was talking to was saying I had to come in. They like needed me in person. I don't, I'm hmm. not sure. I've, I've got a trip planned coming up that will still be leaving the financing. So if I can get the numbers, you know, I don't want to really plug anybody, but um, you know, nationwide is um, on your side. I've done, <laughs> yeah, I've done some financing with them, and it's very easy, and very smooth, and wait, basically wait. the nationwide the insurance company. They do, yeah, help? okay. 
Yeah, they also have a banking department, and you can buy a new bike or a used bike. They really okay. don't care. Um, the interest rates on the used bikes, obviously, you're going to pay a little bit more there because there's a little bit more risk involved yeah. for them. But basically, you fill out a credit app, and you give them, tell them what kind of bike you want to buy, and you give them the VIN number, and they write it, write a check to you and the dealer or you and the individual, and y'all both sign the check, oh, and nice. you get your bike, and it's done. Well, EBR is doing what? One one point nine, one point nine nine. Yeah, I don't I don't know what nationwide's doing right now on new bikes, but you know, maybe you could you know, if you miss this opportunity, maybe you could use them as leverage. You could say, Hey, well nationwide's offering me this, what right. are you offering me? Modus needs yeah, you're right. Modus needs to get some kind of something. I mean, a good financing. Yeah, lease lease agreement, open something. minded strippers, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I mean it's cool they went to Bonneville and they're saying you know, speed records. That's, that's awesome. And then they turn around and ride those very same bikes home to Alabama from Salt Lake. I mean, that's, that's great, but $30,000. I understand. I understand. I mean, <clears throat> you know, that's almost as half as much as the pickup trucks we pet, we buy here in We're Texas. We're not getting a dealer here in Salt Lake for Modus. Um, the one dealer I could think of that would even be interested in them, I guess it, 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 they're not talking. Or they, they passed. Um, but you mentioned that you guys are getting one. Yeah, so RPM uh, Cycles here in Dallas is going to be the dealer for them. So we'll be able to, I'll be able to go down and lay eyeballs on one of those. Do you know um, when they'll become an actual dealer? They are okay. a dealer. I mean, what? they've got the signage okay. up. Their tech, their tech has already gone through the uh, service training I saw on their when Facebook. Did they get the bikes? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'll ask them next time I go over there. I got to go pick up a uh, front axle nut for the Gucci. Who, who they carry normally? Um, the it's they were focused on European brands like um, until the heart until the Honda dealership uh, went out of business next mm -hmm. to them. So Honda just walked down the street and said, "Hey, you want to be a Honda dealer?" <laughs> and they said, "Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll use that to get foot traffic through the door, and we'll try to sell them these European bikes." Mm -hmm. Um, so they, uh, their main lines before were Triumph, um, Moto Guzzi, when they can get bikes for Moto Guzzi, um, uh, Aprilia, uh, let's see, who else do they sell? Uh, they took on Norton also, and they actually do have a couple of those sitting on the floor, believe it or not. Um, and KTM, um, but they, they're a little bit more into the street side of KTM than the dirt side. So they got like a three ninety. Three, not a three ninety yet. They've got the six ninety, which is a which is a pretty nice okay. bike. Um, I think it's just a, the six ninety. I think is just a little bit overpriced for the American market right now. So what made you go with a Moto Guzzi versus say a Ducati? Well, yeah, I've had uh, two Ducatis in the past. Uh, I've had the uh, seven fifty Super Sport and the first gen um, six twenty Multistrada. Which I love that Multistrada. That, that that was an awesome bike, awesome handling bike. Um, but a lot of my trips uh, are a week long trip or a several days trip. You know, it's not unusual for me to cover six or seven hundred miles in a day. Um, and so what I got to looking at was, you know, I hate oil in a chain, especially on a trip. <laughs> it's just a giant pain in the ass. Sure, yeah. Um, 
So shaft drive, I've got all the comforts. I mean, basically, the Breva is a Norge without the front fairing. Everything else is exactly the same. It's got a six and a half gallon fuel tank, um, and I hate stopping for gas. You know, I don't want. <laughs> I hate stopping for gas every hundred and twenty miles. You so know, out you, there where you out there where you're iron butts. No, I haven't actually done any. I mean, I probably could if I just collected my receipts like I'm supposed to. But I don't. I don't really give a crap about that. You know, I don't okay. do it for the internet fame or whatever. You don't want a sticker. <laughs> no, I don't need an iron butt sticker. So, um, okay. but, you know, out there where you're at and, you know, 120 mile range might not get you from one gas station to the next. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's got to carry spare gas. Yeah. What's the range on your bike? Uh, you know, it depends on how much I, I lay into it or not, but I can usually get about 250 miles, uh, before the light comes on. Damn. I can't do that on the Ural. No, no. And I, and believe it or not, I've actually owned a sidecar rig. I had a 81, uh, BMW, um, R90 with a uh, Velorex on the side of it that we oh, rode, wow. we rode from uh, DFW here to Nashville, uh, went up the here, uh, Natchez Trace Parkway. Um, the speed limit there is like 50 miles an hour. Of course, we didn't totally ignore that. But You rode at the posted limit. Yes, yes, we did not break any laws. Rode at the posted limit. All of our, all of our listeners always ride at the posted limit. Absolutely. <laughs> so looking at the, the EBR bikes and the modus bikes what are your what are your feelings on those well i think the ebr bikes are probably you know they're a little bit rougher around the edges which i doesn't necessarily turn me off um Mm -hmm. i'm i'm more into the performance and i've owned enough bikes through the years and i'm you know as they say a man of a certain age that appreciates the handling more than the engine i think the japanese do a great job of making it a very powerful engine that'll go fast in a straight line and they cut the corners on the suspension and i would much rather have a much better handling bike than one that will win a drag race mm-hmm. so for me um you know a modus is a very appealing machine especially as far as a sport touring machine um you know of course my personal opinion is all motorcycle gas tanks are too small um because just because i hate stopping for gas um but the quality of the components on the modus is really what interests me um i just have a hard time believing that they can't get the prices down i guess 300 bikes enough is is not enough volume uh to get a discount on those uh quality components sure they're they're just this side of being a boutique bike yeah and they were actually kind of upset when i used that wording mm. uh, when i was talking with them i was just like you know you guys thirty thousand dollar bikes you guys are kind of like a boutique and they were just like no we're not mm. you know you talk boutique bikes you're talking like confederate we're not those guys yeah they clearly have a market in mind i just uh, like you know like you said early after the first year or two i'm not sure that market's got that that kind of depth that kind of staying power with that kind of price right you know so I, when they first started out i was wondering if they were going to just be another bimota if they were going to use somebody else's engine off the shelf and because that's going to be your that's your biggest expense is designing your own engine and i know they're trying to sell engines for other purposes and that may, yeah. and that may be what their strategy ultimately is is to sell engines and not necessarily bikes and using the bikes to show off the engine but it doesn't seem that way from the way they talk they talk more motorcycle than they do engine, but we also have this engine for sale if you're interested. Right. No, they, those guys are very passionate about the bike itself. I 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, the engines are for sale, and they they do mention it, but they don't seem. It doesn't seem like what they're they're very interested in doing. No, they're they're really into that bike. Yeah, and and I agree. And the the sad part of it is, is how are they going to be able to make a lower price bike with that one and only engine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when EBR started, that remember their first bike was a forty thousand dollar boutique bike yeah race bike with, with lights yeah it was a race bike i don't even did it even have lights i don't know was it i don't think it was street legal at all uh that the, the rx i don't i don't honestly it's out of my price range so i didn't really pay much attention to it i just yeah. i just know that uh one of those guys from Mythbusters had one that they used in one episode and okay. i thought yeah the, the rx was just like a as far as if i recall right it was just a straight race bike that they were they were, you know, pushing as a bike you could just go buy. It's like a turnkey race solution, right. and it's forty thousand dollars. And you know, everyone was just like, "No, yeah, carbon fiber, <laughs> everything." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until they got, you know, I can't remember if Hero came first or if the RS came first. I, I think Hero might have been first, and that really got the price of those bikes down. Right. And Modus is going to have to do something similar. Yeah, I, I think you're right. To, to knock that, like, uh, you know, ten grand. If they could knock ten grand off that price, if they're if they're going to, I mean, I, otherwise, I don't know how they're going to have any staying power or longevity. Um, you know, the nice thing about the Modus is that is they make a bike for you that you would eventually build yourself you would eventually put better brakes on it you'd eventually put better brake lines you'd eventually put better suspension on it <clears throat> but you don't take the hit in the pocketbook all at one time right i mean do you i mean other than it being an american bike would you find a compelling reasoning to buy that bike over say a concourse oh absolutely really okay yeah. um you know i've had japanese bikes in the past um and you just have to do so much to them. Um, you know, you know, they come with rubber brake lines. And, you know, the seats are usually uncomfortable and the, you know, grips are some kind of hard plastic. And, you know, the windshield never seems right to fit anybody. And um, the brakes are no name. I'm sure that maybe they work perfectly fine. But um, Okay. Actually, you know what? Let's drop the Japanese the, the concourse example. BMW is coming out with a sport tour based on the uh, the S1000. Yeah, the 100XR, XX something, whatever it is, 1000. Yeah, right. on that yeah. IMS too. And it almost looks like a almost looks like a Multistrada kind of without a beak. Yeah, it's definitely in that, that uh, Multistrada. I mean, it, it seems like that's one of the current waves right now because you got like the Versus 1000, you got BMW doing that, Ducati, you know, updating their Multistrada. Um, who else is doing it? Uh, so, the bike that really impressed me was the, uh, the KTM, uh, adventure or the non R. Okay. Yeah. Because for me being, a uh, a, a twin guy, a V twin guy, of course my V twin goes the other way on the Guzzi. Um, the, I like the torque. That's where, that's what I like. I like the torque. And to me to make an adventure bike out of an inline four seemed a bit odd. You know, I may be speaking out of turn because I haven't ridden the bike yet, um, but I've had inline fours. I've had a uh, uh, MV Agusta Bratali, 
And I'm not taking anything away from the inline four. They certainly have their place. But um, for a sport touring bike, I'm not really sure that's the best format. But, you know, like I said, I haven't ridden the bike, so. Yeah, and KTM's pretty solid with their bikes. So. Yeah, they're coming on strong. They could pull it off. But, I mean, wow, now, now that I say all that, you've got this wave of, of nice sport touring bikes coming that are all going to, you know, like BMW's going to be, what, in the 20, probably? 15 to 20 range? Yeah, you know, I, it's hard to pin BMW down on pricing because the price they advertise is never the price of the bike that they have in the dealership. Right, because they, they add all and the, it, They do, like, uh, Harley and add so much stuff to the bike. Yeah, you can't... When you go into a BMW dealer and you say, okay, I thought the price of this bike was this price, and they're like, well, yeah, that's the base model. We, we can order you one of those, but no way. Someday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for me, that's that's one thing that I really dislike about BMW is I almost feel like it's a little bit of false advertising because it's always 2000 to $2,500 more than what they advertise. But, yeah, it seems like a, it was just under 20000 so you're talking about right. similar so, money, is uh, yeah, is the KTM or is the Multistrada or? So you got those bikes sitting at around twenty thousand dollars, and you got the most sitting at thirty. Now, how do you feel? You know, if I won the lotto, I would I would definitely buy the Modus. Well, yeah, if you won the lotto, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't won the lotto, John. I know, but ten grand will buy a damn lot of gas, though, won't it? <laughs> exactly. I, I still think they're kind of a boutique thing. I know they they hate to hear that, but I think it's a very nice bike, and I would definitely be interested in one. I just don't know how you can go down market with that uh, V4 engine. Um, because what? Are, where are you going to cut the expenses? Are you are you going to cut the cost on the seats, the saddle, tires, fenders? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. Would would you be able to cut enough? By yeah, exactly. Um, the suspension can really, I mean, I don't know. You, you might be able to pull five grand out of it uh, on, on the suspension. Um, you know, if you did, you know, some uh, Marzacci Forks or uh, KYB or, you know, some of the Japanese brands for suspension components. Um, it just depends. I really don't know what they're buying because, you know, a lot of people have this understanding that, you know, if a Ducati bike comes with Olins on it, it's the same Olins that you can buy out of the parts catalog, and it's not. It's an Olin shock that's built to their specifications. You know, the internals are plastic parts where they can be plastic instead of instead of metal. So that's why, sure. that's why uh, you know, a, an Olin's rear shock costs $1,200. Well, when you go and buy an OEM bike with uh, Olin suspension on it, it don't have a twelve hundred dollar rear shock. <laughs> Sorry to tell you that that comes as a shock to most people, but I'm shocked. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, and if Modus does cut corners like that, I hate that sort of takes away from Modus, right? Especially with the, the kind of message they've been pushing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, American-made quality components, that whole thing. If they start, if they throw a Japanese shock in there with a Chinese seat, you know, thinner plastics, but even at twenty-five grand, you know, they lose a lot of their their luster. You know, but 
is it really truly Amer- an all-American made bike? I mean, because even Harley was using Makuni carburetors, you know, and you know they, you know, quietly have gone um, mm-hmm. to seek parts around the rest of the world. You know, they don't really advertise that fact, but you know, even Harley had to succumb to, you know, to keep their profit margin and keep their reliability and rideability. So, I could see Modus being a lot closer to it than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Just because they are such a small volume. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they might, you know, it could be they're buying all their stuff from an American supplier, but maybe, like, I, I don't know, say Sargent, maybe Sargent is sourcing some stuff from out of country. Could be. But, you know, that's not Moses' problem. Right. Not that I know what Sargent does. For all I know, they're stuffing dead orphans into their seats. <laughs> And I'm okay yeah, with that. Unicorn tears and fairy dust. That's fine. Whatever. So the brand recognition is another key thing because I'm, here I am. I'm riding a Moto Guzzi, which has been around since 1921, and I still have people come up to me in a parking lot and go, "Is that a Honda? <laughs> is that a Harley?" <laughs> well, yeah, isn't that what it says on the gas tank? Ding dong. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing I think Modus has to. How do they get their name out? Um, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I think that's the other challenge. What is their version of the Buell Blast going to be to get people through the door? <sighs> They've got a Halo bike, and that's it. They got the Halo bike. They they went out to Bonneville. They're they're trumpeting how they set speed records with it. I I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're going to do anything like a Buell Blast. It doesn't necessarily happen, especially not with that motor. But yeah, exactly. That's that's where I you know I, I keep coming back to is. That I think that motor is their blessing and their curse. But, you know, to me, that kind of goes back to why I think they're more of a boutique dealer. Because, you know, how many people have heard of uh, Confederate motorcycles? Right, exactly. You know, how many people have heard of, you gotta, uh, was it Boss Boss? you got to be a pretty good enthusiast to, to hear of some of these brands. I mean, who's ever heard of a Moda? You know, mm-hmm. not people. Um, Look at Ronin motorcycles right now. You know they're doing the the forty seven bikes that are they're all Buell bikes that they picked up. Yeah, yeah, I saw that forty seven named individual bikes. You, you can't get more boutiquey than that. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty slim. But, you know that's I, I kind of think Modus is if Modus is not a boutique bike, they are just over the line. So does that mean they're going to have to start? Uh putting on like a Mercedes-Benz fashion show, except we're going to call it the Modus fashion show uh, to go to that after that upscale customer. I don't, I mean, I don't know. How do they market themselves? I think they're just going to have to keep pushing at shows, pushing at rallies, showing up to like Daytona, showing up at Bonneville. But is that the right crowd? Is that the crowd that spends 35,000 on a bike? I don't think so. Uh, Maybe like IMS aim. Yeah, you know a Harley guy will drop thirty five grand on a bike easy. Sure, and he goes to Sturgis. Sure, you know maybe they the can trailer, of course. Roll, yeah, yeah. Maybe they can roll into Sturgis. I don't know. Be you know, where the American sport bike for those days when you really want to actually ride a bike for real. So maybe what so maybe what I'm hearing is maybe Modus should team up with Harley Davidson share some floor space. I would be really really scared to do that if I was Modus. I would too, but they've got the money and they've got the financing. They've got the money and they got the financing, but they they're they're kind of cranky. They are. <laughs> and the Modus guys know Eric Buell. 
So, and you'd, you'd have to be very careful how you worded that contract, but it would be... An- yeah, you would not want to sell them 51% in the company. <laughs> no, absolutely. You do not want to have to use a Harley motor. Yeah, you don't want to use a Harley motor. That would be... that. Ooh, that's an interesting point. So if Harley bought into them, they could get a really nice American motor. They could. That's... That's really interesting. And which goes back around to the, you know, the Harley Indian war and how do they separate themselves? Yeah. It's, I almost see this Indian and Harley, they're racing to find new markets. You know, the Polaris has done the slingshot thing to try and you, for the ultimate. You think that's going to go anywhere? You know, I think it's going to be a, a rich guy's toy. Um, because to me, it's almost like, uh, you know, off-road right now is these utility vehicles, you know, these little four-wheel drive, dune buggy type yeah. thing, side-by-side for the street. Oh. I think it's probably going to be, a, you know, I hate to use the word niche, niche vehicle for similar to like the spider um, for people that may have disabilities or injuries. Um uh, something like that, but I don't ever think it's really going to be a big volume product. But I think its biggest problem is is it doesn't have a saddle; it has a seat and a steering yeah, wheel. Yeah, it strikes me as a lot more niche than a spider. You know, it's almost like the poor man's version of an aerial atom. As a what? Aerial atom. I don't know what that is. You know, no. Oh, you'll have to Google the aerial atom. They stuff a little Toyota engine in this tubular frame. Oh, okay, uh, I see it here. Yeah, which which by the way they've started making motorcycles also. Okay, that's a kind of see that looks cooler than uh, than a slingshot to me because that that's got and it's like a, lot, a you know a Formula One feel to it. Right, and it's a much more higher performance than the slingshot. The slingshot is almost kind of like a toy compared to that. Mm-hmm. I mean that look that kind of makes sense to me much more sense to me than a Polaris uh, slingshot. That thing I just I don't get. I just. I look at that. I try to imagine who who buys it and why. I think it's an impulse purchase. Man, I'd like to have that kind of problem. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I no doubt. But I think it's almost like an impulse purchase. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to come down here and buy some ATVs for the ranch, and uh, you know, <laughs> I've got these, I've got these, uh, I've got these kids that are between 16 and 20. Um, you know. They look like they might have fun on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very niche. But I tell you, man, this oil money, well, the, the oil money's kind of dried up now that the price of gas has gone down, but this oil money has got these uh, roughnecks down here spending money left and right like uh, they don't have any time to live. I was talking to one of the dealers down here, and people will drop $30,000 on one of those UTVs Um like nobody's business. In fact, the salespeople have contests to see how many add-ons and upsells they can add to you know every sale. And these guys are like, "I don't care what it costs, just do it." Wow. Okay, that's. <laughs> I feel poor. So now, so now maybe I've got a UTV that I can take out on the street. Yeah. But the confusing thing to me about the whole Polaris slingshot thing is why does it go from a shaft drive back to a belt drive? That's just I don't know, but I mean the whole thing. I don't. I don't, I don't get it. It, it look. It, it's pretty in pictures. That's about all I can see out of it. It looks like a neat magazine so you, thing. So, do you think we'll ever see a three wheel vehicle out of Harley Davidson? 
Sure. Did they stop doing their trike? Don't they still have one trike left? I think they have. Well, they have the conversion kits, or somebody that used to do the conversions for them that they sold as a factory option. And I, th- I think, don't they still sell the sidecar? Um, isn't that still in their lineup too? I'm not sure. Special order sidecar. or something. Um, I mean, they've got a page for the. Yeah, they they have a trike. They have a 2015 trike, the Tri Glide. Yeah, and wasn't Lehman doing the conversions uh, yeah, for them or somebody? Uh, I mean, it's on their website. There's two models, a, a Tri-Glide Ultra and a Freewheeler. Uh, All right, so let, me ask, so let me ask you this. Those things are 30 thousand dollars Now you're talking modus money, but it's a completely exactly, different yeah. customer. Well, I mean, if you're buying a Freewheeler, it's because you, you need to be on three wheels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you've lost the ability to hold up a nine hundred pound motorcycle. Okay, you're not or, buying a Modus. Um, no, definitely two different customers. But there's obviously a thirty thousand dollar motorcycle market out there. So how does Modus come back around and market themselves to somebody like that? I don't think they should do the traditional lines of advertising. But I mean, I hope them all the success in the world. Don't get me wrong. I don't no, want like to be down on Modus. Nobody wants to. They're very passionate. Yeah, about absolutely. It. They bought me dinner. Well, since they bought you dinner, um, I guess I'm going to have to go out and buy one. Clearly. All our listeners should buy Modus. Tell them Will Nerd sent you. Absolutely. Um, go Modus. And fake, yeah, that guy. And fake, and fake Todd. I, Modus, it would be interesting seeing if Modus has been talking to either Harley or Indian. Because they, they're just, they, they have this, this cherry mm-hmm. of a motor. And Harley definitely could use that. Yeah, it, it, to me, it, it hardly looks like they're kind of grasping at straws and going in, in many more directions than they have in the past, for sure. Uh, yeah, the, the whole live wire thing. The, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they still have their, their bread and butter as far as the bikes, but they do. It's, it's I, And I've always uh, interpreted it as they're, they're trying to grab um, a younger market. They're trying to appeal to a younger rider because... That seems to be where they're, they're 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 failing the most is is younger riders. I mean, you already, they already have bikes that are kind of priced out, where twenty somethings and thirty somethings might not be able to buy them brand new off the floor. But well, unless you're talking about the, that, unless you're talking about their new motorcycles that are built in India, right? The the seven fifty, yeah, and the five hundred. I mean, how how appealing is that bike to to young people? You know. Um, I don't know. I'm not a young person. You know, I've talked to some of the younger younger guys, and it's it's not um, it's not a complete turnoff to them because they don't have that traditional that traditional Harley thinking of well, it's not air cooled, it's not shit. You know, um, they I, I think a lot of them, like you say, they're interested in a Harley, but kind of like where we're at with the Modus is kind of priced out of our price range. I think for a lot of them, Harley Davidson, they want the name, but the product is out of that price range. Mm-hmm. So, but the the problem is I've heard from around the country, different listening to different podcasts and whatnot and talking to different people that it depends on what dealer you go into and whether or not they're actually pushing it. Some dealers are uh, you know treating it like mule. It sits over in the corner and collects dust and they don't talk it up or try to sell it. And then other Harley dealers, you know, are at least 
open to trying to sell a couple of them. Of the of the uh, newer, the new in the seven fifties, yeah, and the five. I mean, well, they're still so new. I, I I can see, I can see why that bike might not be appealing to some dealers, especially if they already have a pretty good sales um, market happening. Because they want to obviously sell the more expensive models with all the Farkles and all the Chrome, they don't necessarily want to maybe spend the time trying to sell a 750. You know, if they right. and what? Are you, go ahead. What are you going to upsell on a 750 or a 500? <laughs> yeah, I, you can. I don't know. Get them into the writer's edge. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I I don't know if a lot of those dealers are, are feeling that kind of pressure um I, I don't i don't get that sense when i go into the harley dealer around here no me either because there's plenty of people going in and out of those doors and that cash register is ringing as fast yeah. as you can even if they're not selling bikes they're selling what's profitable yep yep exactly so who so who else is more ready for a different type of engine um man it's almost like it's almost like harley should probably snap up Modus, or at least a, an interest in Modus before Indian does. They, they should. I mean, in Indian, I mean their their stuff is just brand new, so I can't imagine there there already would be like looking around for that. Though, it would probably you know it would be cool if they were. Right, but but Harley definitely could use that Modus engine as a differentiator for sure. Oh hell yeah! Imagine that thing in their bikes. Oh man, that I mean the only the only thing I could see. So I'm looking at pictures of, of the Harley. And the only and the, the one thing that, that occurs to me is um, that engine looks wrong. If you look at the Modus motor, mm-hmm. it, it looks wrong. It doesn't look like a, a Harley motor. No, it definitely <laughs> doesn't look like a Harley motor, but it looks a hell of a lot closer to a Moto Guzzi engine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I could see is you know the the the, the pirate looking at that saying, "No, that doesn't look right." Yeah, but that's not. We're not making a bike for the pirate crowd. Yeah, pirate, that's true. They already yeah. have their the tons of bikes for them. Yeah, the pirate crowd's getting old and dying off. Yeah, not fast enough. <laughs> Where do I put my patches? <laughs> oh man, Harley and Modus that would be, and you know, it'd be a great deal for Modus if they could get that interest because they they need that money. Yep, and they need the foot traffic too. Mm-hmm. And the branding and the marketing. That's what I think that's what Harley would bring to them. Mm-hmm. I just would, I, you know, they'd have to be really careful about it because I would hate to see them end up where Buell was. Yeah, you don't want to be Eric Buell all over again. Be like, oh, yeah, this is a really neat bike and stuff and motor and we own it now and uh, you're fired. Yeah. So who else would you, who else could you imagine putting money into motors? Yeah. Polaris, for sure. Not just nope. Indian, but Pol- Polaris. Polaris has got you know how many irons in the fire do they have now? They don't seem to. They have you know they have so many. I, it, it didn't make sense to me that they, you know, they've got their victory line. Why did they do Indian? I think it's because they recognized that they were missing that little edge to to that leg up on Harley. I think they recognized that. They recognized that. You know, a victory is a great bike, but it's a, probably more of an American version of a metric bike versus having that same kind of heritage that Harley has. They wanted that heritage. They wanted somebody to be able to come in and buy 
heritage. So if they're looking at pieces of pie, you know, Modus brings them sport bikes. Yep. Bring and that's sport bikes and sport uh-huh. tours. And you know, that that's you know, they 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 could be the you know, if they look at it as like the the American made metric sport bikes or they could look at it as, you know, competition against bikes like like EBR or, you know, just even a brand you know, a sort of virgin territory, American sport bikes that, you know, no one else is really pushing real hard. So let me lay this on you. Would it have to be another motorcycle company? Look at the partnership of Ducati and Audi and Mm -hmm. um, Mercedes-Benz and MV Agusta. Mm -hmm. They've got a great engine and you put it in a car. I can't see an American car company going for it. No. Even Chevy. And that's, you know. No. <laughs> they're practically kissing Chevy. Yeah. Um, and I, I... I don't know. I mean, would a European car company want this kind of motor? Or would it be too American for them? I don't know. I to me it seems like uh you know Piaggio which owns Moto Guzzi, boy that sure would be a nice upgrade. Mm-hmm. Cuz I'm the, the problem that I have with Moto Guzzi right now is their whole line is kind of stale. Mm-hmm. And they're going to need they're going to need a water-cooled motor um to meet emissions regulations anyway. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time. You know, Piaggio being Europe's largest, you know, two-wheeled manufacturer, of course, most of those sales are scooters and not motorcycles. Right. Kind of like Hero. Yep. Mm. That's real interesting. They're going to have to think outside of the box for sure. Yeah. And I guess a lot deals with, you know, what Modus wants, you know. How much much they want to get into bed with someone. They, They were pretty open with me that they they would love to get something like uh, like w- what Eric has with Hero. Right. But, you know, I, I don't know how much they they're willing to to give up for that. But it, I don't know. I mean, okay, so we're having so we're having a Shark Tank pitch of Modus here. So who's on the panel of Shark Tank? So Piaggio, Harley Davidson. I think Polaris will be there. Polaris? Yeah. I think Polaris would be there. And, you know, it, it could, even if it's just to keep the motor from going to Harley. If Harley was expressing interest in it, I, I could see Polaris expressing interest in it as well, just to keep it from him. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the this little Harley, the, you yeah. know, yeah. slash Indian race war, whatever you want to call it. This definitely, the competition between the two, is Harley has seemed to have taken a lot more personal than I initially thought they would. Hmm. I I hadn't even thought of that. I hadn't even noticed that. I've only seen one Indian around here, like in my neighborhood. So I hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to it. But yeah. Uh, we see a bunch of them on the road here. I mean, obviously not in comparison to the number of Harleys, but considering yeah. it's a first-year motorcycle, I've seen a fair number of them. 
maybe enough to, to make Harley take notice of it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And that Indian scout, now that I look at it, does look pretty sharp. It does. It's, it's, it's much more diminutive in, per, in person, though, I can tell you that. Like, okay, well, how tall are you? I'm 5'7", so okay. it's more like a, a Yamaha Bolt okay. size. Okay. That's not bad. Um, no. Yeah, I don't know. And the Indian bikes definitely, you know, they have their own style, and it and it doesn't scream, I looked at a Harley. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see Harley taking notice on it. So, yeah, I mean, Polaris, Harley, Piaggio, uh, I... I can't see a car, a, a, an, any American company going for it other than Harley or, you know, Polaris. So maybe that's how they keep from, so maybe that's how Modus keeps from diluting their brand is maybe they sell their motor overseas to somebody that in America is not necessarily going to see it. Mm. Do you think that's a motor that's going to appeal overseas? Um, it seems like it'd be too big to me. It depends on how efficient they could get it. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of the performance can they get, give away for fuel mileage? Cause you know, being overseas fuel is quite a bit more expensive yeah. than it is. The economy so is king. Exactly. So if they can make it a fuel efficient engine, um, I think they may have a space for it overseas, but. Yeah, if it they're if they're not going to change anything on the engine and keep it as a performance engine, yeah, that may be a tough sell. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a really interesting question. I don't, I, I don't know. I still want an SX though. <laughs> that that one's within my price range. Personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Uh, the guys who got the test right at AIM, they all had really good things to say about that bike. Yeah. And, and I'm not one for, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm not missing it because I've never had it. But, you know, the whole traction control thing and all these different modes, you know, I, I don't need that garbage. <laughs> I, I, would, I would like a little ABS. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, ABS is okay. But, you know, you know, like the new Yamaha... R1, M1, whatever they're calling it, where it's got the GPS transponder and all this garbage that hooks up to your iPhone. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. We've, we've burned like so through so much time just talking about this, and it's just, I could keep going about it. It's just a really interesting question about where Modus is going to go. And I hadn't even thought of that angle when we started. That's, well, it's really easy for us to spend their money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could spend our money and buy ourselves some of their bikes. <laughs> there you go. What executive demo, right? Right. I, I tried. I was like, hey, you know, you should give me one of your bikes. We'll talk it up on a podcast and stuff. You you would really love that. And they were like, yeah, no, we'll buy you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's your hamburger. Now be quiet. <laughs> it, was, it was a really good hamburger. All right, let, let's wrap it up here, because um, I, I, I got a feeling we're just going to start going in circles on this, and I and I kind of want to. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, so that the big question is where Modus will be going in 2015. 
Yeah, and could be. What what moves Indian and Harley are going to make? That's a big question. Uh, so, do you want to talk a little bit about the down market, the side at all, the cheaper machine? Nah, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap it up here. So, what are your closing thoughts? Let's let's go there. I think that it's a great time to be uh, in motorcycling. I think uh, you know, since two thousand eight, I think things got really stale, and and uh, I think it's a you know, nice, refreshing. I think 2015 is uh, going to be uh, a landmark year as far as when we look back on it in history is uh, probably one of the, the beginning of the more exciting times to come back because I think now we have we have more choices and better choices and safer choices. Um, you know, I mean, BMW literally makes a bike for everybody, yes. you know, um, for any need. And uh, so we got more brands than I think we've ever had Uh in, at least in recent history, um, we've got safer bikes, uh, probably higher quality bikes. I don't think we've got a bike today that's going to leave you stranded on the side of the road, uh, no matter what brand it is. I think it's just a great time to be uh, on have two you wheels. Seen my Ulysses? Uh, I have seen a picture of the Ulysses. Yes. You know, talking about bikes that are going to leave you stranded. No, mine hasn't done that yet. I agree with you. I, I think we are out of the shadow of, of the economic crash from a few years ago. So we're out of that, that time span where the economy was driving the decisions being made in the boardroom and in the design room. And we're at a point now where, you know, the manufacturers and the designers can start spreading their wings and, you know, laying out some risks. Yeah, I think the difference now is people are, are a little bit smarter about how they're spending Well, no, I don't know if I'd go that far, Joe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see too many uh, fifty thousand dollar Harleys floating down the road like I used That's to. True. I I don't see any big dogs rolling around. But you know, now that the, the if the sales keep ticking up the way they do, we we might see that resurgence. I I don't see cop choppers coming back anytime real soon. But I yeah. you know what I I I think Modus is going to make some kind of big move this this year. I don't know if it'll be like a breakthrough in sales, but I could definitely see them making a breakthrough with some kind of deal with uh, with uh, someone with deeper pockets. Yeah, I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to do it. I got a good feeling. I'm, I I love that. I'd motor. love to have one in my garage. I'd love to have one in my garage for right. sure. Well, that's it for us. Uh, thanks for being on the show again. Oh yeah, anytime. Glad to. Glad to be invited to be on the show, and uh, hopefully uh, Todd uh, doesn't come back with uh, anything that uh, antibiotics won't yeah, cure. Exactly. I, I hope our listener who wrote in asking for a more serious show is happy, because this this was a more serious show. And then all the angry emails I'm going to get about why I'm not making fart jokes, I'll make fart jokes next week. Next week. Okay, yeah, we didn't talk about any Craigslist monstrosities. No, there, well, we? you know what? I'm I the past couple of weeks I haven't been getting um, really ridiculous ads. I don't know if it's a quiet time on Craigslist right now, or you know, everybody's under ice, so or what? Oh, you hear that? You hear that, listeners? Send send Chuck your uh, email. Yeah, I'm I'm used to my list to the listeners doing all the work for the for the the Craigslist ads. I'm not used to having to look at them on my own. There you go. <laughs> Send in submissions to the Wheel Nerds. Yes, wheelnerds at gmail.com. Send me your suggestions. What have you learned this week? 
I have learned this week that it has never been a more exciting time to be in motorcycling. Um, and uh, I think we're going to have nothing but great products come down from the road, uh, not only from uh, Modus, but from ev- from everybody. Um, yeah, so just glad to be here. I've learned that I like to pour a lot of amaretto into my Diet Cherry Coke. Well, there you go. I'm Chuck. And I'm Fake Todd. I don't know what the rest of Todd's part is. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You can contact us at wheelnerds at gmail.com or leave us a message at area code 801-917-4136. Record an intro for our show of you and your bike, and maybe it'll be on a future show. Stickers and other merchandise is available at our website, www.wheelnerds.com. If you use iTunes or Stitcher, please leave a review for us. Hell, write our URL on bathroom walls if it helps. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheelnerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.